It's Fox Top 5, the podcast where the hosts always agree to disagree. This week on Fox Top 5, Trey Gowdy. It's 9.30 in the morning, so <laughs> as much as I'd like to think about the end of the day, I don't want to. And, and Will Kane. I just got the first dagger to the ribs. I think I'm a violator of this one. Come together to share their top five phrases, I would retire. Here are this week's hosts, Trey and Will. Welcome to the Fox Top 5. I'm Trey Gowdy, uh, host of Sunday Night in America on the Fox News Channel and host of the Trey Gowdy Podcast. And I am absolutely thrilled today to be joined by Will Kane, who's the co-host of Fox and Friends and the host of the Will Kane Podcast. I don't have any idea how he came up with the name of that podcast, but nonetheless, I'm delighted to have him. Will, how are you? They asked me, would you like to call it the big three stories of the week or the three times a week Fox News Podcast? Or do you have another idea? And I said, I have another idea. Idea. Let's call it the Will Kane Podcast. That'll satisfy my ego and help the consumer understand what they're about to be in uh, signing up for for the next hour or so, Trey. So you got to manage my ego through this. It, it requires my name on almost everything. Well, I, I have my name on Mama's for a different reason. I went and asked my wife. I said, look, I should come up with a name of a, for my podcast. And she said, well, it's probably only going to be on air for a couple of weeks. So what difference does it make? Just pick something easy. And so I picked the Trey Gowdy podcast. But for different, it wasn't for ego. It was because my wife said, well, nobody's going to listen to it. And it's not going to be on air very long. Well, you've proven her wrong. You showed her. It's been on the air yeah. for quite some time. And from what I understand, if not the most, one of the most successful podcasts on Fox News Podcast. I'm glad to be with you, man. I've never talked to you. I don't even think, and I hope I'm not wrong because that would be embarrassing. I don't even think we've spoken through the television lens. I don't I don't remember at least a one-on-one interview with you on Fox and Friends as possible. The three of us sat there and talked at one point, but I'm excited. I, I thought a lot of your I thought a lot of your thoughts and your work. You're you're an interesting and deep thinker much more so than one would expect from someone in elected office. And so I'm excited to talk to you. Well, you're very kind to say that, and you are correct. We have never done a one-on-one interview. And honestly, if you're sitting on the couch with Angelie, who's from South Carolina, or Rachel, whom I've known for 10 years, I I might not have noticed if you were part (laughs) of the interview in my partial defense. And if I were sitting there with Pete or Brian, I might not have got a question in. So we might not have talked (laughs) even if we've been on the same couch. The truer words have never been spoken. All right, well, I'm excited about this. I mean, I I guess I should let folks know every week on this podcast, Fox hosts and reporters and personalities, whatever that word means, uh, get together and share their top five. Uh, Have you done this before? I've done it a couple of times. I have. I've done a couple of sports-related ones with Killmead, my top five moments in football, but this is my first for this particular topic we're about to dive into. I did one with Brett Bear, top five golf courses we played, and I was, the courses that he's played in his life are so amazing. I mean, I was embarrassed. I mean, I was naming courses that he'd never heard of before because they're all in my home county because I don't travel much, and he's talking about the best golf courses in the world. And then Chaffetz and I had to come up with the five best moments we had in Congress together, and I can only think of one. Uh, so I didn't. I was not a full participant in that top five. <laughs> Did you really just come with one on a list of five? Uh, pretty much the day he left was the, the the day he left Congress was the day that I remember being the happiest uh, in our relationship. <laughs> I can tell we're going to get along well. <laughs> 
All right, so there are phrases that you and I hear and maybe even say unwittingly on a daily basis. Uh, and we might even be tired of, we're probably definitely tired of hearing them. We may even be tired of saying them. So what I'd love us to do is kind of come up and see if we have any similarities in terms of what we don't like. Our top five phrases, idioms that are overused and we wish would just die a quick death. Let's do it. All right. I'm going to be a good host, and I'm, I think they want us to start with number five, which is not the way my mind works. I like to go ahead and get the best ones out of the way first, but I'm going to let you start, and you can go in whatever order you want to go in. Number five. You know, one thing that I've noticed in watching your Sunday night show and in watching you over the years, I think you might, we might share a quality, uh, and that is sort of conversational OCD. I, I don't know if it's, and I believe we're both lawyers by training. I don't know if it's because organizing and outlining, but I always have to group things and, and put things into categories. And it's not always a top five list, although anyone that's ever listened to the Will Cain podcast knows I break almost everything down into lists. So here's how I'm thinking about it, Trey. I've got two from sports, two from politics, and one from social media. So we'll start there at number five. Um, there's this, there's a phrase, and then it has all kinds of tentacles and spinoffs. It goes something like this, be true to yourself, or I'm just being honest, or you have to be authentic. And here's the weird thing, Trey, I believe in human beings being authentic, like I want you to be. But today, when posted on social media, what it seems to mean when people say, be true to yourself, is whatever I've decided cannot be questioned or judged. It's right because it's authentic to me. And that's like the ultimate currency, and it's all over the place. It's probably connected to hashtag blessed. and. I know it's not one specific phrase, but maybe it's a specific mindset that is now like the ultimate virtue and currency, which has a kernel of truth, but lets people get away with whatever manner of sin they desire. No, that makes me that makes me smile because when I hear people say, "Yeah, I'm going to be true to myself." I, I mean, who else would you be true to? I mean, what, what are your other options? I mean, I, I mean, you can't be true to like the person standing beside you because you don't know anything about them. But that that did not make my top five list, but it probably should have because I can't stand that one either. I just I don't know who else you would be true to if it were not yourself. Um, the haters. I man. stay away from the haters. I began with the one that. I have heard a thousand times and have uh, recoiled at it every one of those 1,000 times, which is the phrase at the end of the day. And that phrase drives me nuts because at the end of the day, it's just the end of the day. So I don't even know why we're talking, period. It's the end of the day. It's time (laughs) to go to sleep or watch Narcos or something other than you reminding me that it's the end of the day. So, I mean, have you heard that phrase? It drives me nuts. So I'm going to use that as a segue to share hosting duties here and go to number four. Number four. We might be on the verge of a beautiful friendship because the number four from my sports category is at the end of the day. Everyone (laughs) uses it, Trey, but um, it seems to have become a particular verbal tick within the world of sports and sports radio and sports commentary. By the way, also perhaps a good sign for our relationship. I love Narcos. I've already burned through all of it. The newest season was uploaded like, what, two weeks ago? And I'm done with it. Finished that weekend, I think. Big, 
big fan of Narcos. But at the end of the day, I think it's, I don't know, what are they saying? They're saying, well, that's, that's um, I guess that's the final say. The judgment has been rendered at the end of the day. I've boiled it down for you. I've made it simple. I have spoken. I don't know, but I don't like it either. Well, since we're both lawyers, we've certainly, you know, read opinions where they'll say in conclusion or in sum. At least that's quicker uh, than having to sit. I'm just in politics. I've just heard a million people say at the end of the day, and I'm just, first of all, it's 930 in the morning. So <laughs> as much as I'd like to think about the end of the day, I don't want to. See, you but know they're what I'm you, doing? We don't have to hash this out for the rest of the day. Sideline the angst, because when we get to the end of this thing, at the end of the day, which we can get to here this morning, this is what the conclusion will be. At the end of the day, the end of the day is a terrible saying. <laughs> yes. You know what I'm doing? I am actually, and Devin's going to be very... Very, very unhappy. I'm actually writing down my least favorite sport phrases because uh, this is going to probably wind up being an hour to an hour and a half long, which I know will make uh, everyone unhappy and probably most people stop listening. But I've thought of two that just drive me nuts, but I'm going to save those for the end. All right, the next one on my list is stop me if I've told you this before. And I hate it for a couple of reasons. Number one, no one ever pauses to give you a chance to stop them. <laughs> if they would, if it were like a, a, a real request. So what I've started doing, Will, just between us, is whenever someone says that, I immediately interrupt them and stop them, even if they've never told me the story before. <laughs> because I'm sitting there thinking, if your memory's not good enough to know whether or not you've told me, then how can I rely on the story you're about to tell me in the first place? I just so, got I just got the first dagger to the ribs. I think I'm a violator of this one. <laughs> I think oh, yeah. <laughs> I think you know, I would think I was on a call yesterday with somebody from our company, somebody from OutKick, and I said, uh, hey, listen, if I'm telling... No, you know what I did? I have a different version of it. It's not stop me if I've told you before. It's stop me if I'm telling you something you already know. Forgive me if I'm telling you something you already know. But I don't... You're right. My train keeps rolling down the tracks. I don't pause. It's incumbent upon them to interrupt me. Uh, because I'm going to take full credit for having come up with this thought, even if you've heard it somewhere else before. It's got to cross my lips, and then you can tell me, yeah, 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 that, that shows up in our research. <laughs> well, my wife sometimes says that, and I immediately, she's the sweetest human being on the face of the earth, but I, I just stop her anyway because she doesn't remember whether she's told me or not, <laughs> and it spares me from having to hear another story about one of the kids in her class. So we both win. She doesn't have to tell a story. <laughs> All right, what's next for you? Number three. Staying in the in the world of sports, I'll be interested in hearing what your your couple that you wrote down um, are. But I don't like the phrase, I don't like the saying, it is what it is. And it may serve the same space filler that at the end of the day does, but it is what it is is maybe actually a good philosophical approach to life. I don't know if that's a Zen approach to life or a nihilistic approach to life. But it is an absolute conversation stopper. And it's all over sports radio. It is what it is. You know, eh, in the end, it is what it is. And where do you go from there? I think it's over. I think we're done talking. And it's weird because in sports radio, we still got two and a half hours left to go in this show. So it is what it is, is a particular, um, particularly least favorite phrase of mine. Did you do trial work when you were a lawyer? No, but I, but I, uh, can I just quick, quick um, sidebar to use a legal phrase? My dad was a trial lawyer. I grew up, Trey, like um, idolizing trial lawyers. He was a plaintiff's attorney. 
and I went to law school in pursuit of being a trial attorney, which my dad said, well, then don't be a plaintiff's lawyer. You need to be in criminal law because it's the only guys to see the courtroom. So that's what I focused on in law school, and I would have gone down that path, but I just tried a few other things first, and those things caught my fancy. Yeah, I, I, having done both, let me assure you, you made the right decision. Um, I, I love being a prosecutor, but uh, it, it's uh, it's not a vow of poverty, but it's close to it. I, I'm just wondering if you were to ask, if someone says it is what it is, if your follow-up question could be, okay, well, what is it? I mean, if it is what it is, what, what exactly is it? It could fill up maybe another 15 minutes. It wouldn't get you through the rest of the two hours. <laughs> but it would be, you know, uh, another quick uh, side note. At ESPN, I spent five years at ESPN Trade. They used to have this journalism course. Everybody had to take an interviewing course. And it reminded me of law school and cross-examination, which I, I watched the Rittenhouse trial. You know, I've watched some of these other trials that are on right now. And, and a, uh, leading the witness in cross-examination is, is, a, is a useful tool. But you know one of the most powerful tools I've ever seen is just the open and benign question. And that's what they taught us at this course at ESPN. Like, if you just ask somebody, why, how, what, and you just do it twice in a row, maybe, two or three times in a row, boy, they start spinning their wheels in the mud. Because people are used to just getting away with whatever they want and not being pressed on it. And so you saying, well, what is it? I I guarantee you would leave them sputtering. I like, uh, I love the why question. I liked it in the courtroom when the answer didn't matter. I also like, how do you know that? Because you will be stunned at the number of people who then have to rely on quintuple hearsay to prove whatever it is they just told you they knew. The reality is they don't know it at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Make them feel the silence. That, that You come up with fascinating things. Make them feel the silence. All right. I... I'm probably the only person in the country that doesn't like this, which means I'm probably wrong. But this phrase at this point in time drives me bonkers because time is really the only dimension that we're aware of. So I'm not sure what other point we could be referencing. And I don't mean to hearken up Russ Cole from True Detective Season (laughs) 1. But why not just say at this point? Because to say at this point in time, I'm not aware of any other medium that we're in other than time i, mean, I guess you could say at this point in space at this flat point circle. in what other than time well is that a reference to what might have changed from the past or a caveat for what we don't know about the future is that what people are saying and i get what you're saying is they would it would work to simply say at this point but i think that's what they're trying to do right just distinguish themselves from the past or what may come in the future Right. And so if they would stop at this point, I have no qualms. It is adding (laughs) this undisputed dimension of time because I I don't know what else you would be referencing if it were not time. I see what you're saying. So if I said at this point, you're saying there's no there's no potential curiosity that I could mean at this point on Earth as opposed to Mars to your point of space versus time. Right. Or at this point in this realm of human existence versus some other. You don't need to clarify that I'm totally talking about time and not these other dimensions. That's exactly right. And it reminds me, I don't know if it was Miss USA or Miss America, one of the contestants said they wanted to make Earth the safest place in the universe. And I thought, as opposed to what? (laughs) I mean, Saturn? What is the crime rate on Saturn? Yeah, I, I, mean, I think the, I, what? the moon is probably, I mean, granted, you need some technological assistance, but you're not going to be violated by another 
being that we know of. So I want to make Earth the safest place in the world. I, I, I mean, I just... I want to make Earth the safest place. I just want to make this the safest place. But I digress. You're right. I don't hey, have a problem with it at this point. It's Before we time. move on, wasn't it Miss South Carolina that wanted to help the world out by, by distributing maps? Remember the famous moment of some such? You know, I can't remember exactly what she said, and I wish we could drop that sound into this podcast right now. I I do. Because she's from South Carolina, I am going to cut her a break. I think so. It was. It was South Carolina? Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I'll say this in her defense when I was her age, I was not being interviewed in an evening gown or a bathing suit on national television. And if I were, God only knows what would have come out of my mouth. So. Uh, I I do well, remember that. Char- I you're think you're more charitable than me on that one. <laughs> well, I just I, I I I have a daughter. She's now 24, but she was in theater growing up. And so when she was little, I'm just sitting there thinking, when I was your age, I could not perform in front of this many people. I would I would freeze. But you're right. She's from South Carolina, which means I'm going to defend her no matter what. <laughs> I feel the same way about Texas. So don't worry. The countdown continues after this. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Number two. Now I'm going to switch realms to the realm of political commentary because I'm going to give you two verbal tics, two sayings. These may be more verbal tics than sayings. Um, and they are absol- they are as common on MSNBC as eyewear, as spectacles. And they are first, sort of. I hate the word sort of as a filler. And if... Anyone, and I don't think anyone listening does watch MSNBC, but they use the word sorta in the same way people use um, when they don't know yet quite what they're going to say, or they even want to give themselves a little bit of wiggle room on what they are saying. They say it's kind of sorta, and they'll use it, and it's it's almost an every sentence occurrence, if not maybe every other sentence occurrence, sorta, 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 and it is, and it's it's a... It's a tick tray of the intelligentsia. I'm sure you would see it at brunch in Brooklyn on on Saturday mornings. And and it's been adopted by the MSNBC class. And I think it's stupid in an attempt to sound smart. I uh, have to confess, I do not watch MSNBC. Um, I watch uh, a lot of ESPN and I watch a lot of the SEC channel. You mentioned these little verbal ticks that the intelligentsia has. What I noticed when I got to D.C. was every sentence begins with so. Mm -hmm. And, And we never did that in South Carolina. We never and maybe we should, but every sentence began with so, if my television is stuck on MSNBC, I will be on the lookout for this contraction called Sorta. I'm assuming it would not, would it also bother you if they 
went ahead and said sort of. So it's not the contraction that bothers you. It's the whole thought behind it. Yeah. And I'm not putting the concept of sort of off limits, but watch it someday and you will. It won't take long. And I'll, it's it's Chris Hayes. It's Nicole Wallace. Whenever some viral feed or clip crosses your your attention span, I guarantee you're going to hear sort of in there somewhere. Well, I'm going to guarantee you another one you're going to hear. And it drives me bonkers. And I hear it on television a lot. I uh, hear it from the left more than the right, although I'm sure the right says it too. And that is this expression, clear-eyed. Mm-hmm. If I hear the phrase clear-eyed one more time, I may gouge my own eyes out. So I'm well, not I think I need you to give me an example. I can't, I can't uh, hear that one. Tell me how they use have that. You, have you not heard clear-eyed? Well, it's not sticking out to me like a, like a sore thumb, so maybe I'm just not recognizing it. Give me an example. Secretary Clinton used to say it all the time, uh, just so we're clear-eyed about this. Oh. Uh, Samantha Power used to say it all the time. You you go if you go Google clear-eyed, you <laughs> will see that it is I think used by the left more than the right. Although the right may say it too. I just it's almost like saying a round circle. It, it's it's either tautological or a pleonism. I mean. Clear-eyed as opposed to what? Like cataracts? (laughs) Yeah, like an aged dog. Yes, uh, you know, blue cloudy eyes. No, 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 not that. We are clear-eyed in our approach. That may be a political tick. Maybe that's a almost like a democratic politician tick. I hadn't I hadn't picked up on that. I can hear it when you're saying it, but I I don't hear it as a viral thing that I like you just said um, that it keeps it keeps popping up and grading at you. But now not now that I'm made aware, I, I'll be clear eyed in my my pursuit <laughs> be, of clear eyed. Be clear eared and clear eyed as you watch for it and listen for it. Number 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 one. All right, what's number one for you? Number one for me is also a political commentary uh, tick. And I do think it's crossed party lines. I do think it started mostly among those on the left. I think it's passed over to people on the right as well. And that is using the word right to end your sentence. You're forcing people along the way to acquiesce what you're saying is true. And they do it. Of course, there's, it's not a conversation. It's a soliloquy where, you know, I'm telling you about the proliferation of this of this word, right? And and as I tell you about it, right, then you're forced to nod along, right? And and by the end of whatever I have to say, right, you've committed and you you're, you're in on everything I've said. So at the end, I'm like, well, I guess so. Because you made me, you made me, Submit every sentence of the way, right? Uh, you are a hundred percent. I'm gonna say correct. I'm not gonna say right. You're a hundred percent correct. I heard that word all the time. The eight years that I was up there, and it it is. I think it's like a space filler because people think silence is the enemy. So they don't want there to be silence, and they fill that up with right. I want you to think, Will, or be on notice for the number of sentences that begin so that also include the word right in it. And I think you will wind up being uh, institutionalized uh, if you focus on that because it's going to drive you nuts. So what's your number one, Trey? My number one is when people say, I hate to say I told you so. 
because that's the biggest lie that's ever been told. They don't hate to say they told you so. They love the fact that they warned you not to do something and that it turned out poorly and they can't wait to say, I told you so. So why would you start? I mean, has anybody ever said, hey, Will, I hate to tell you so, but or I hate to remind you that I was right. They don't hate it at all. It's a it is a lie only rivaled by with all due respect or <laughs> no offense. Yeah, no it, offense. You can be assured after that you will be offended. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I told you so is a gleeful moment in everyone's life, yours and mine included. And the people that have mastered I told you so are the ones that can do it non-verbally. That master of the game who can do it with their eyes. My wife's good at that. All right, you're a sports expert, so I'm going to share with you the two things that if you could somehow call your friends that do sports telecasts, particularly football, and get them to quit saying these two things, I will forever be in your debt. Number one is dangerous return man. I've never heard a punt or kickoff returner not referred to as dangerous. So, I mean, I just for once just say, look, this guy's no danger, no threat at all. He hasn't returned a kick and gotten his hell off. <laughs> I'd so, like it. Trey, I'd like it if it even went a step further. If Tony Romo, when calling a game, was go, he's a benign return man. Really nothing yes. to worry about here. <laughs> yes. I mean, have you not heard that phrase, dangerous return man? Sure. Sure. Uh, that's Devin Hester, a notoriously dangerous return man. <laughs> I mean, there are a couple that are pretty good, but... I mean, dangerous is not dangerous for his team. I mean, his team thinks he's great. So, I mean, every punt returner cannot be. Sometimes you're just going to put a guy back there like a like a Hunter Renfro or an Adam Humphreys who's just good at catching the ball and not letting it bounce. But he's not dangerous. He's just sure-handed. Look at the you one that drives out nuts. Adam Humphreys. You are a sports fan. I'm impressed. Oh yeah, I, I'm a sports nut. I watch more sports than anything else in the world. Um, all right, the other one you got to help me with is downhill runner. I, I I just I've been on not as many football fields as you have. There is a slight pitch in the middle of the field, <laughs> at least the ones I've been on. But but you can't be running downhill everywhere. I mean, at some point it's going to be level, or it may even be slightly uphill if you're running from one of the hash marks to the center. So why do I hear this phrase, powerful downhill runner? That one doesn't bother me. I think it. I think it's a good. Um, this is going to tax my intelligence. It's a good metaphor, not not a simile. It, it you know it implies a guy that runs north south. There's another one to mix metaphors. He he's it's Derrick Henry. This is a guy that doesn't run towards the sidelines. This is a guy that hits the hole between the guard and the tackle and absolutely keeps it moving. The chain's moving. That's what I think I – when they say downhill runner, that's – I mean, my vision immediately goes to Derrick Henry, Christian Okoye, big bruisers, as opposed to get to this guy who's going to try to speed around the outside. I like it. I got to be honest, Trey. I like it. I think of Bo Scarborough, who was a running back uh, at Alabama. I do think of Derrick Henry. I uh, think of the Nigerian nightmare. But my point is I'd rather have you describe it the way you did that they run with a certain violence, that they initiate contact as opposed to avoid it. It's just when I think downhill, I think of kids sledding. I do not think of Derrick Henry running from the hash to the to the midfield where it's more than likely uphill. 
Well, as long as we're doing this and we're correcting sports and prolonging this podcast longer than anyone ever anticipated, do you think that Christian Koye today could have been named the Nigerian Nightmare? Or would political correctness somehow have claimed that nickname? And I don't even know why, because there's no rhyme or reason to political correctness. But I wonder if that would have claimed it. And on that note, Trey, here's the ones we really need to retire. And they may be... They may be being retired. I want you to tell me the race of the wide receiver I'm about to describe. First in, first out, uh, lunch pail guy, uh, skilled possession receiver, a possession receiver. Not a burner, not a speedster, uh, but a good underneath guy. Who, who am I? Who, you want me to name someone who's good at that? I want you to tell me if that receiver I just described is white or black. That is a white uh, wide receiver. What go, what this is what the mom this is, I, is is a white receiver that used to be with the Cowboys and is now with the Bills. Oh, you're talking about Cole Beasley. Yes, yep. but those phrases are always used. Oh, what is the, how else do they, they say? Um, not the most athletic guy, but but a hard worker. The, everybody, Here's a newsflash. Everybody in the NFL is incredibly athletic. Incredibly athletic. And a lot of guys work really hard, regardless of race. And a lot of guys have varying degrees of job responsibility because uh, C.D. Lamb is the slot receiver underneath for the Cowboys right now. But if you'll watch, I'm sure people have noticed this, and I think even commentators know this at this point, you are projecting racial profiles on guys by your description of them and attributing these weird things. Lunch pail guy, the lunch pail guy uh, who just puts on his hard hat and comes to work, you're, they are always describing a white guy. That is what they're always describing. Whenever they're Usually describing from limitations. The Big Ten. Usually <laughs> yeah, from, from the, the Big, Big Ten. Ten. Yes, right. It's well, funny, bet. man. Sports sports adopts um, phrases like we're going over or verbal tics more than any other industry. But maybe your world of politics is a close second. Yeah, but I just have higher expectations for sports than I do politics. I mean, I can live without politics. I can't live without sports. And I don't want to have to turn off the commentators because it's driving me nuts. I think Christian Okoye, if he embraced the nickname Nigerian Nightmare, that it would be fine. I think people, the group that's most likely to uh, complain would be the people that have nightmares. Uh, I don't think Nigeria would mind if Christian Okoye did not mind. But if people who suffered from nightmares, they may ask for a trigger warning before you use that phrase. We can leave it with this. On Tech Mobile, your second choice would always be the Kansas City Chiefs with Christian Okoye. After, of course, Bo Jackson. And then I was, I believe it was the Los Angeles Raiders at that time. I don't know how old you are, Trey, or if you played video games or if you Tech Mobile. Oh, no. Christian Okoye Christian was un he could not be tackled. He reminded me of a guy named Earl Campbell who played for Texas and then for the Houston Oilers. You remember I, Earl Campbell? I don't know if you're trying to offend me. I don't. I, I didn't know what that t- type of um, uh, condescension no, was. But no. I am from Texas. I am a Longhorn. And yeah, but I you're def- young. I yeah, but you're young. I definitely know about Earl Campbell. <laughs> I mean, that guy ran to me like Christian Okoye. Yeah, he just- absolutely. And I'm just thinking the modern day the modern day version is Derrick Henry. But I have to say Derrick Henry is, is you don't want to put him above Earl Campbell, above Christian Okoye, but headed towards Earl Campbell territory because fast, along with that big, mean violence. And Herschel was like that in college more so than in the pros. Um Herschel and a guy named George Rogers, who played at South Carolina, won the Heisman Trophy, wound up playing for the Saints. You just felt sorry for whoever was trying to tackle him. So before we go, now that we've ended our five most annoying phrases, um, I just need to know the Trey Gowdy um, sports loyalty, sports affiliation, sports dedication. I need to know your, your, and all I really care about in this conversation is football. Um, I need to know your college and your pro team. 
Um, I grew up going to the University of South Carolina football games with my father. He literally went to every single one of them. So I have a huge affinity for University of South Carolina fighting Gamecocks. I went to Baylor. So I pulled for Baylor. And for reasons I don't understand, Will, I like Nick Saban. I've never met him. I probably never will meet him. I think I just like the way he interacts with the media. So my top three teams are South Carolina, Baylor, and Alabama. And do you have a pro team? I pull for the same team God pulls for, the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, my gosh. Just to end this relationship on the highest note possible between narcos, legal training, and the Dallas Cowboys, we just became best friends. Um, I am the world's largest Dallas Cowboy homer, although always, I think, rooted in objectivity. And I'm a Texas Longhorn guy. Uh, but I have a family that are Baylor Bears. And I also appreciate Nick Saban's I appreciate Nick Saban's philosophy, his dedication to process over goals. I'm fascinated with all of his sermons on process. And um, I wish you luck as Baylor goes into the Big 12 championship this game against the Oklahoma State Cowboys. I think our starting quarterback's hurt. So uh, our second string quarterback was actually related to Congressman Will Hurd, but he entered the transfer uh, uh, portal. I'm going to not get his name right. I think it, it was Zeno, but he was the backup. So now we're, you know, redshirt freshman that played against Texas Tech and that game wound up being, I, I don't see us beating Oklahoma State. Let me ask you one final question before we go. Is there a scenario under which Alabama can lose a very, very close game to Georgia and still make the Final Four? I don't think so. Um, and I haven't really game planned all the different scenarios on who would lose in order to make that happen. I think Alabama was unimpressive in their win over Auburn. And I think, say, uh, Baylor, I think there's a scenario where Baylor could still make the college football playoffs um, if you have all the right teams lose. But I, I don't I don't think so, Trey. I think if Alabama loses to Georgia, even in a close game, I think Alabama has to be out. Well, then you and I are going to have a podcast at some point on how you cannot play a conference championship and essentially be rewarded for it. Because right now, Alabama's ranked ahead of Notre Dame. Notre Dame has no conference championship to play. Alabama's going to play the number one team in the country, and if they lose closely, they will not, I agree, they will not be in the playoffs, and there's a chance that a one-loss Notre Dame, who did not have to play in a conference championship, will be. And will be in there, most likely, with the team they lost to in Cincinnati. All right, Trey, we'll do that podcast. Um, This has been fun. I really enjoyed talking to you. It went a lot of places we didn't expect, so that means we need to talk again. Let's do that. I'd love that. Thank you. Uh, It's been a a lawyer who thinks that Narcos is the best uh, family movie for Christmas time, who also loves the Dallas Cowboys. I couldn't ask for more than that. All right, Trey. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or foxnewspodcast.com. And also, by the way, let us know your top five phrases that you would retire. You've been listening to Fox Top 5 on the Fox News Podcast Network. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.